it's the Lunar New Year holiday, and so it's a big week-long holiday or or longer for schools here in Mongolia. And I thought that meant like ah, oh, lots of fun and rest. And um, it's turned out that you're supposed to go visit and then have them visit you, like all of your relatives and stuff. So for us, we don't have relatives, but it's like all the other families of the church. They have to come to our house and eat, and we have to go to their house to eat. So it's like the past few days have been... <laughs> like all within the same like compound you guys live in? Yeah. Oh. And like they have to go visit their family Is members there not like on a top dining of that. hall? That's only for single people. It's not for families. Oh. It seems like you guys could have like a central dining hall and just get it over with in one gathering. It's a whole tradition. Like they're supposed to come to your house. You're supposed to go to their house. You dress up oh, when you are going. Hospitality. But thing. you don't really have to dress up when you're like being visited as much. But you're supposed to wear like really nicer things when you go. You have to like exchange gifts. The man of the family brings his ornate little bottle of like tobacco thing. And you're supposed to smell it at each other and then like say Happy New Year. <laughs> And everybody, you're supposed to drink, uh, have their like milk tea that they make and dumplings. And then, you know, whatever else you want to make on top of that. But those things are like a must. Milk tea and dumplings. It sounds nice. Yeah, it is nice. Yeah. And it is also kind of fun, but it's just different than I envisioned. Where it's like, oh yeah, week off. And it is kind of, but it's like a lot of preparation and work. And then Mm. when one group leaves, it's like, okay, let's wash our dishes so that they're ready for the next group. And refill all the stuff and then like we have to go places and then for me it's also a little more tiring because i don't understand most of what people are talking about so i have to kind of be filled in here and there and then if they really go off on a conversation Mm. it's just like you know it makes me a lot more tired because i can't follow yeah Mm, yeah that makes sense well it's not dissimilar to our holidays right you're kind of expected to go have a meal or something with your different families at some point. Yeah, it's just weird because it has to be both ways. You know, you go to theirs and they go to yours. Mm, so true, yeah. the first day of it, we had a group. We had two couples over for lunchtime. And then we were supposed to go over to this other house for dinner. So I was thinking, okay, we like I can recover my appetite during the next few hours. But then at like 30 minutes after the, everybody left... One of the couples who had just been in our house called us and were like, do you guys want to come over and do tea at our house now? So then we, <laughs> so then we had to go to their house, drink tea again, eat some of their things and do the whole, you know, thing. That's, that's pretty strange to us, at least. Like now, all right, we had a meal with our friends. Now we'll have the same meal. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's not exactly the same because everybody makes like different more or less different things, but it's similar. Yeah. And ours is more different than other people's because Yejin makes like, you know, she has Korean influence and makes different kind of stuff and things that she knows I like. And uh-huh. So I feel like the first people who came like at the beginning of the holiday, the, they were kind of like, oh, this isn't like the way we do the dumplings. You know, they weren't it's negative, but I got the feeling that they weren't like as happy with it because it was not the traditional type. But now that mm-hmm. we're on like the third day of it, I think people now are more excited because they're like they're oh something excited. new something different you know it's not the same type of dumplings we get at the other houses uh-huh. the group we just had was the most enthusiastic we've had yet and the ones we had for lunch were pretty positive too so so how many meals of these are you doing per day it just depends today we only did we didn't go anywhere we just had two people over here and then okay. the first day it was the op we went to two places and had one group come oh no wait we okay. had we had three groups come here today it reminds me a little bit of when I was in uh, Liberia and it was dinner time. And so the missionary we were with and Riley spent one or two hours in the kitchen preparing a meal. And I was talking to the Liberian guys, the pastors we were with. And finally, they get everything ready and they did like a pasta dish. And so we sit down to eat and the missionary is like, OK, so what's the plan for the rest of the day? And the one pastor goes, well, after this, we will go to my house and eat. and everybody is just kind of confused but it what it came to light eventually is that for them if it's not rice it's not a meal so because we didn't have rice incorporated we weren't really eating it was like a snack or something so we still had to go eat dinner so no we ended up just doing two full meals back to back strange i guess you guys haven't heard about the mongolian milk tea have you no, you mentioned that, and I was thinking about Thai tea from Thai House is pretty milky. That's my experience with milk tea, I think, but I don't know if that's similar at all. So, Oh, wait a second. No, I definitely have heard of the milk tea. I remember you talking about it when you were here. Isn't it, like, pretty uh, unappetizing to Americans? 
I like it. It's good, but it's the, okay. So for one thing, they don't call it milk tea here because that's like all they have. So to them, it's just tea, mm. but it's more milk than tea for one thing. It's a little bit like oily because like when Yejin's cooking it and hers is quite revered and she actually puts more tea than most people because I like more <laughs> tea, but hers is quite revered and all the Mongolians say that she makes really good tea and she usually will fry up fry up or yeah like cook up a little bit of um mutton fat to put in it and the tea is like i said primarily milk but there is tea and there's not an ounce of sweetness there's saltiness to it it's a savory drink savory yeah and mutton and, that, those are two words that don't belong together mutton fat mutton fat i mean every animal has fat <laughs> both those words are very <laughs> disturbing i don't know together so for the mongolians the tea is like meant to go with meat and it definitely fits with meat and they'll always they're very fond of telling me some of the places i've been they always want to tell me you can put your dumplings in your tea or you can put the meat in your tea and just eat it like a soup and which is true it is like that it's kind of like a milky broth Uh, okay okay but they call it tea so if you're expecting tea you know like a refreshing beverage then you would probably be grossed out or shocked you know it wouldn't meet that need but if you're thinking of it as like yeah, a warm, broth. yeah, milky broth to go with your food, then it's pretty good. And it it does fit the Mongolian style stuff. And then they usually also will have juice. And I've become okay. somewhat known among the, the church community here as the coffee guy. So they often when they come, we'll end up making coffee for them too. We'll all end up making coffee for them. Interesting. So... Yeah, it's it's feast time. It's Sagansar, which means white moon, which means New Year. Today, I wanted to talk about the idea of having a rule of life. And this comes from a book I read called Sacred Rhythms by Ruth Barton. Are you guys familiar with that idea, that phrasing, at least, of rule of life? I wasn't until I took that class when I was oh. and read that book. <laughs> the only place I had heard of it before was one of my really close friends in Kentucky sh- shortly after, well, I guess right after he he got married. And the first time I was over at their like joint apartment after their mm. marriage, um, they had a kind of daily schedule on their refrigerator and it was titled Rule of Life, which mm. I thought was a strange wording or a strange name for basically like a daily routine that's really interesting that they had it printed out like that yeah up on the refrigerator so it was that precise phrasing is unique enough that it stuck with me interesting it started as a way of life that governed the monastic communities and so saint benedict was the first to come up with this specific way that they were going to do life together in the community Um, with specific rules and schedules, that kind of thing. So in this book, she's taking that idea to come up with a modern application for how we can be intentional with our spiritual growth. So in the book, she defines a rule of life as a way of orienting our lives around values, practices, and relationships that keep us open and available to God for the work of spiritual transformation that only God can bring about. Uh, She says, a rule of life seeks to respond to two questions. Who do I want to be and how do I want to live? Or how do I want to live so I can be who I want to be? I was felt like I was most familiar with this concept actually through Harvest, uh, the church I grew up in, because dad would kind of do this every year in a sermon, but with different language. Yeah, we would do like a plan for spiritual growth. Right. Yeah. Is what we call it. Yeah, and he would use similar language. He would say, you know, we don't tend to grow unless we're intentional about growing and have a plan for it. Mm-hmm. And so we ask everybody to kind of create a plan for their own spiritual growth for the year. And it had these certain practices and stuff. Very similar concept, I think, to, to what she's talking about. And it's definitely not like unique to Harvest. I think this sort of concept and intentionality about your own discipline and growth is is common within in the church and has been. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, I think there's a lot of Christians who are very unintentional and they mm. their Christian life is haphazard. And so basically there's the goal of like, I know I should be reading my Bible and praying mm-hmm. and that's about mm-hmm. it. And so they try to do that sometimes. Like they try to do that often, but it's 
it's irregular and it's not very intentional and they're not regularly assessing where they are and how they can continue to grow in the ways they want to grow. And I think, yeah, I think that comes out of two things. Maybe one is I feel like a lot of churches and teachers kind of have this fear of legalism and turning things into a checklist. And they're worried that if you think too much about specific actions, then it's going to turn into just, oh, it's the to-do list of, of Christianity. It's about the actions and not the heart behind it. And then the other side, I think, is, and this can be a good thing, but you want to kind of lower the barrier of entry into Christianity. And so in a seeker-friendly church, you tend to lower the challenges But what that can result in is very shallow Christianity. Right. But yeah, I think it's very similar to the spiritual growth plan that dad would do at church every year. In the book, she says, if we look closely at the way we live day to day, we may well notice that our approach to spiritual transformation is much more random and haphazard than our approach to finances, home improvement and weight loss. Like I remember dad usually using the fitness example, you know, like beginning of the year, you want to lose weight. You're making a plan. I'm going to go to the gym three times a week. I'm going to eat such and such and such. But then there's nothing like that with your spiritual growth. Mm -hmm. So that's the idea. This new year, Olivia and I set goals for the year, um, which I think is really important for people to do. Uh, For some reason, people seem to be turned off by the term uh, New Year's resolution sometimes. Yeah. Because they're known for failing, I think is why. Yeah, I think so so too. And so I've been just using the term goals. So like, I'll I'll be like, hey, do you have any, you know, do you have any New Year's resolutions? Oh, no, I don't do any. I don't do resolutions. Uh It's like, oh, we have any goals for the new year? Oh, yeah. (laughs) It's like, okay, great. (laughs) That's the same thing. And our goals, we didn't lay out exactly like who are we wanting to become with the goals as much. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's important as well to kind of keep that end goal in mind, the, the destination a little mm-hmm. bit. Um, well, I struggle a little bit with all of it because as you were just talking about that, sometimes we're not as intentional about our spiritual development as we are with our finances or health or um, um, whatever other Wait, Oh, that's health. Right? Oh, right. But like our finances or health or maybe uh, education, vocation, something like that. And when I hear that list, I'm like, I don't think I'm very intentional about any of those, <laughs> any of those things either. <laughs> I don't have, um, well, as long as you're balanced, <laughs> I don't know about that. I, I, I do. I very much admire, um, disciplined people and people who are able to schedule and plan and make firm plans, mm-hmm. but I have not really ever lived that way in almost anything. I, it, mostly mm-hmm. any kind of like schedules I've kept have been externally imposed. And I'm not saying that that's necessarily like, well, that's just the way I am. I can never change. But mm-hmm. and, uh, there certainly have been some guidelines, like not wanting to sleep in all throughout the whole morning. Cause I really like the mornings and I hate the feeling of having missed the morning, you know, stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Like I have mm-hmm. some, elements of um, guidelines like that, but I have not been very structured in my Mm -hmm. approach to life. I think that's important and interesting. And I'm curious to hear and maybe discuss what a rule of life would look like to someone that has your personality. It's not not like a planner. Right. Because I don't think it has to be so structured. I mean, if that's not your personality for anything, then your spiritual growth is not going to be the one thing in your life that you change your personality for. Yeah, I'm. I'm. I... Daniel's a hippie. That's not me. <laughs> <laughs> There's definitely pros and cons. Like I think flexibility and adaptability have been um, traits that have served me well in my experiences. But um, I also think that those instances of externally generated um, structure have also been really helpful. Mm. Like learning language, you have to be regular about it, and even if it wasn't scheduled. When I was doing things on my own, I had a couple of sort of patterns where, okay, when I get in bed before I sleep, I have to review some words, review a little bit of my Japanese when I was learning that. Or uh, when I was in college, it was Saturday brunch. When I go to the cafeteria, that's when I'll review my the kanji, the, the mm-hmm. characters, like my reading skills. So mm-hmm. I had a few patterns like that. Uh, but for learning language, for learning a lot of things, having a teacher or someone, you know, where you have a set time you have to uphold. And then mm-hmm. in that case, 
it was just something that because of someone else's expectation, I know that I have to be ready for this time. And my principle was just avoid canceling those things as much as possible, because that's the, the path of you know, making a cancellation for convenience sake or because you just don't feel like it that week or you feel unprepared is is like the first step towards just it all falling apart. One of my classes in seminary was a spiritual formation class. And the professor had done a lot of work with the Myers-Briggs personality test and like, like that. Yeah. And comparing it to just spiritual growth and different types of spiritual disciplines. And basically his work had been kind of focused on like, how does God meet us in our differences? Mm. You know, how, how does the unique way that we've been made gear us toward connecting with God in different ways than other people maybe? Mm-hmm. It was really neat to kind of talk through that. Like, this was a class, or this was just that professor's like was, hot well. Thing? The the class was called spiritual formation. Mm-hmm. That's what the class was about. Was how do we kind of grow spiritually and different ways to grow spiritually? But his specific work had been in Myers Briggs, and so um, it, a lot of that came in through the class, sure. and we did a lot of work in it because that's where he had, he had focused. But I think you know the the benefit of that is talking about how. There's not just like one way to approach God. And there's not one way that God, you know, interacts with us mm-hmm. and the ways that we connect with God and grow are going to be different depending on our kind of personalities. Mm-hmm. And so I think there's a lot of benefit in thinking that way. Mm-hmm. Um, however, the I think the danger in thinking that way is just saying like, oh, well, I'm just going to, you know, kind of flow through life and do my thing. And God's just going to meet me. Right. In it. And I just I am what I am. And that's the way it's always going to be. Right. And so I think we have to be careful about that too, because yeah, totally. like the fact that you're not a planner, right. the fact that you're not a planner is you know fine, but you also have to be careful that you're not just being completely carried along in life, and like there's not an intentionality in growing. You know? Yeah, mm-hmm. and when you when you talked about there being like some haphazardness to growth, and just thinking like, okay, I want to get closer to God, and leaving it at that, I do think that a negative aspect of my uh, non-planning ways is that the growth can often not measure up to what I hoped. So I think mm-hmm. I definitely think that there's value to doing this. And now that I'm married in, to a very much like a scheduler type of person, like a planner, <laughs> someone who prefers yeah. to have like a schedule mm-hmm. and a plan and for it to be consistent, I can see more clearly some of the negative aspects of not being that way. For this class, I was required to make my own rule of life. And so I wanted to go over that and some of the specific things that I had come up with and that I'm trying to do. But I also thought we could talk about our past and how we've attempted to grow spiritually throughout our journeys as Christians. Help from Christian community is huge for me when I think back initially. Yeah. You know, really young, we've talked some about homeschooling and growing up and Bible reading like that. But we kind of had a loose rule growing up that we would like read our Bibles before starting school. And so that helped kind of establish that habit for me. Mm-hmm. And then another one that was imposed on me was we did like a summer discipleship program when I was in youth group. And one of the rules was you can't do any like um, media or anything with like a screen until you've read your Bible for the day. And so that was like our rule for that summer oh, yeah, as, as a discipleship that. group. That was really healthy mm-hmm. discipline as well for that summer. Yeah. I think about a small group that I was in where Mr. Mark Fleming was our leader and I can't remember the specifics of the goal. Maybe it was read the New Testament, but it was something like if everybody in the group reads the entire New Testament that he'll get us pizza on the last day of small group, (laughs) which is funny looking back as an adult where like Pizza is not Pizza's a like big deal bucks. anymore, but, but that was like such a great motivation. And uh, well, it's funny. I never heard that he did, did that for you because when I was in his small group, it was he would take us to dinner at a place of our choice. <laughs> it was if every person in our group could read the Bible without missing a single day for, mm. I think, a, a full month or something like that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, there's some. Uh, number that gets tossed around is like consecutive days Creating that it takes to build a habit, right? Yeah, um, I remember that as well. So we were all like very dedicated like 30, and like maybe 30, 40, somewhere. Yeah, 30 or 40. And in the small group, there were uh, probably 
10 of us guys and we like mm-hmm. voluntarily partnered up into like accountability partners to make sure each other were reading because nice. we were like determined because he had said that he's offered this in the past and people never like it never works there's always somebody who doesn't do it um so we were real determined <laughs> we called each other up every day to be sure that everyone was reading and so in the end <laughs> we we got him to take us to outback wow <laughs> which you know when you're young you're just like oh he's an adult he has money who cares but then looking like he has since mentioned that like he didn't dream that we were going to ask for like a costly place like that. So um, <laughs> I guess that's why we just did pizza. Yeah. So that's why it's funny. It's to much hear more reasonable. That, like, yeah. That's why it's funny to hear that years later, he, the, he kind of established the, the cost limit. <laughs> <laughs> if I were to do it again, we would not ask, I, we would not ask for Outback, but we were just thinking like, ah, oh, he's an adult and we're young. And so it doesn't mean anything to him, but it was probably, you know, more than, <laughs> 200 and i'm not sure more than it should have been yeah man if i heard one of my small group leaders doing that i would totally pay for it for them <laughs> from the youth budget that's like totally worth it i wonder if he if the youth pastor even knew that was happening that's true he probably wouldn't have thought to bring it up to the youth pastor and the youth pastor i don't know if he knew about it and even if he did he probably wouldn't have thought to like volunteer funding for it yeah that's funny <laughs> I think definitely of different phases of life and how that changes the way that I've approached mm-hmm. like disciplines, mm-hmm. especially uh, obviously like the big life milestones of like getting married and then having kids. Mm-hmm. But then even like the schedule of kids, you have to be much more flexible than I was before. At least I've found that I have to be. Maybe I could be more r- rigid in it. It's really hard now for me to have my quiet time like first thing in the morning, which is what I've always kind of had as my goal before, you know, when I was single. And even like married with no kids. Mm-hmm. But now like if I get up and start moving around, then the kids are going to get up. Yeah. So like my ideal, like in my brain, you know, I'd love for every morning I, I can wake up or whatever. I'd wake up at six o'clock or something. Mm-hmm. I'd wake up and come make coffee and spend some time like reading my Bible and praying mm-hmm. and having that so- time set aside for that in the morning. But in my the phase of life I'm in right now, that just hasn't been very practical mm-hmm. And um, because I really see the benefit in doing it first thing in the morning. I think that is the ideal rather than at Mm -hmm. night. But I've had to be flexible with it. If Malachi wakes up and I'm trying to have my quiet time, then Olivia has to wake up to try to watch him. If I'm going to continue spending time just with God without being interrupted, Mm -hmm. or I just have to like turn on a cartoon for Malachi to watch, which is not ideal either. Right. And so what I've been doing now is in the morning, I just have some prayer time basically just like giving my day to God. Like that's something that I definitely have as a rule. Like I start the day by giving my day to God and committing myself Mm -hmm. to him. That's good. Now, obviously you can do that in like two Mm -hmm. minutes, you know, being sure that I'm committing my day to God, that I'm asking him to fill me with this Holy Spirit, giving me eyes to see what he's doing today. Mm -hmm. And so I still do that for sure. That's a good uh, like daily rhythm. And I feel like, you know, you had said you're kind of convinced that first thing in the morning is the ideal. And that's certainly a debate i've had that conversation over and over again with students about like when should i be having my quiet time i can make a Um, a minor pitch for the other side if you want (laughs) okay let's hear it okay um first i totally agree though with the prayer at the beginning like having a dedication a sort of like renewal of this is a new day and i do want my first focus Mm -hmm. and interaction to be on connecting with perfect That's actually what I was going to say is that regardless of where you land, I think that is really important to at least have that initial conversation. Okay, go ahead with your pitch. Okay. Yeah. So for me, um, yeah, starting the day with a prayer and because I've especially in (laughs) it's like a weird thing to say, I guess, but especially during phases in my life where I've had a job to go to in the morning. Mm hmm. Usually my pattern is wake up just with not much time to spare before I have to go. Uh So, (laughs) but I've definitely believed in that kind of get reset with God. Okay. um, Asking for him to guide me through the day, to be with me, to that I'll um, have his spirit and his character as I go through the day. Mm -hmm. Pray for that. As far as the Bible reading, though, in my case, I often found that trying to do it in the morning a, I would be, it would be kind of a debate of, okay, well, how much earlier do I need to do it? Okay. Like I'll set this much time and then it's easy for something to get 
lost during that or for me to still be drowsy and not paying attention. Whereas mm. dedicating yeah, yeah. it as the before bed, it also is an incentive to do another healthy thing, which is get into the bed earlier. Mm. Because my mindset is getting into bed is not because I'm sleepy. It's because, you know, it's not because I'm about ready to drop. So I'll just stay up until I feel that way. It's I need to get to bed at what I know is a reasonable hour because I want to be able to have time to read and do my quiet time there. And so it's kind of that healthy habit of you're going through the bedroom routine a little earlier. You get into bed and you're like, in my case, it's very rare that I'm going to then be falling asleep while I'm trying to read. And then if you still are not tired after you finish reading, then you can do what everybody does and like watch a video or something else. But <laughs> whatever. But for does. me, that that worked well because it it would just help me set up more of a pattern of pre-bedtime or bedtime pattern, mm-hmm. um, which my tendency otherwise is to kind of stay up too late and mm. not get enough sleep. So yeah, that makes sense. I mean, you're certainly not a morning. You're much more of a night person than a morning person more than maybe anybody else I know. So that certainly makes sense. And it's a good argument for that. Side. But that that is, there has been a little bit of a wrench thrown into that now, again, by being married, because as I attempt to do that, I'm like, okay, I'll, let's read the Bible together. Yejin mm-hmm. is a lot more like once we're in bed, she'll start falling asleep. So, <laughs> uh, so there's lots of times where it, Maybe what I need to do is just make her do the reading instead of like listen to me reading. But lots of times where I would try to do it that way and I would start reading and then she just falls asleep. And I'm like, well, I guess I'll just I'll be the good one and she'll be the bad one and I'll read to myself. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I mean, that's what we do. Similar to what we're doing right now is where, like I said, I'll do my prayer in the morning and then at night is when have a little bit longer prayer time. And then um, Olivia and I are our goal is to read together at least five days a week. Oh, at so, least. At least. That's most yeah. of the days. Yeah. So we're giving ourselves a little it's bit over of half the days, with, you know? Yeah. That's over two thirds right. of the days. <laughs> <laughs> um, in fact, it's five seventh of the yeah, days. <laughs> um, it's almost six so days. Yeah, that- <laughs> Thanks guys. <laughs> Um, and so we we read together that many times other, you know, the other days I'm still trying to read on my own if we aren't reading together. Do you only read together or are you also having a time where you're reading alone those uh, days? It, sometimes one, sometimes the other. Okay. It just depends on my schedule and how much time I have with like the nighttime when we get to bed and when the kids get to mm-hmm, bed, mm-hmm. you know, if I can't read with her, then I'll read by myself. If there's time for me to read by myself and then also to read with her, then I will. Yeah. Which I do think is ideal. I think there's a need for us to have that individual time with God and it not only be as a couple. Mm -hmm. That plays into the flexibility that you have to have when you do something like this. I think and I think that's a lot of the reason why people don't like resolutions and like goals is because they struggle with the flexibility aspect and they feel like if they don't do it exactly how they've said it, then they've failed. Um, But what I find is that for me, I think it's really important to have a goal and to have a specific plan, but then to be flexible that maybe every day doesn't have to look exactly like the ideal, but as long as I'm moving in that direction and, uh, Mm -hmm. you know, just don't beat yourself up about it if it doesn't look perfect each day. I'm glad you say that because I think that's a common weakness that I see in planning people. People who are structured and are good at making plans often Mm. are also the type of people who feel like once they've messed up once or twice, it's like, ah, forget it. Like it's over now. Mm. And I'm sure you guys have heard it said before that a lot of times self-improvement is not about endurance as much as learning how to recover when you mess up. Yeah, it's like the, the curve, you know, the curve on a chart you know, there's up and downs each day, but as long as mm-hmm. in the long term you're slowly going up, then that's the yeah. goal, really. So, yeah, like I said, we had to create a rule of life. So what I put in my paper is that my daily goals will include Bible reading and prayer. And this will be conducted first thing in the morning, which for me is usually between seven and nine. 
as I try to start working at nine. And then last thing at night, uh, my morning quiet time will consist of reading from the Old Testament as well as the new. So usually I just do a chapter from the old chapter from the new and then at least 15 minutes of prayer. That doesn't happen every day, but that's my goal. The prayer time has been cool this past month because we're doing the 30 days of knowing God study, um, which is a study out of our home church that has structured prayer time each day. That's been really helpful for me and actually being more disciplined on the prayer side instead of just the Bible reading side. Mm -hmm. And then at night, I will read a psalm or proverb and pray with my wife. So that's when Riley and I um, get to read and pray together, typically right before bed. She also has the issue of falling asleep often (laughs) while I'm reading. Um, Not as much recently, but she used to she used to fall asleep most times. I think maybe the maybe we should be making our wives read. Maybe that's better. I, Olivia usually does the reading. Yeah, I don't think I would fall. <laughs> I'm pretty sure I wouldn't fall asleep. Yeah. And then something new that I got from the book is that I'm trying to avoid being on my phone or social media between 7 and 9 in the morning and then at night after our Bible reading and prayer time. Yeah, that's really important. I would encourage everybody to have some sort of boundary on their social media time mm. like how, and, and phone. Mm-hmm. If you have zero boundaries, I think that it's just so dangerous to be something that just sucks up your life. And so I would encourage everybody to think about some, some sort of boundary. You can, you can still like mm-hmm. that. You can put like app timers on your phone. Mm. And so like, that's something that I do is where I have like 15 minutes right now on Facebook. And then after I've used my f- Facebook for 15 minutes, it turns off for the day. So that's then cool. I can that's put cool. that on every app. If you want to, you can make sure that you're not spending too much time, you know, that way. That's what I do at least in order to have some sort of boundary. And I think what you're saying is great. Give yourself some time during the day where it's not, you're not using it. Mm-hmm. That's really healthy. So, yeah, I find for me, I really hate the idea of the first and last thing mm-hmm. being looking at the yeah. phone. And uh, mm-hmm. so that's why I specifically said in the mornings. And again, like for me, I want to get in the word and in prayer before I look at any, you know, check the weather, check social media, check my emails, whatever the thing is. Like I want to really try to avoid that until after I've had that time in the morning. Yeah. Before you play Wordle. Yeah. (laughs) My way of limiting that has been that I set a rule for myself that I only look at my phone if I'm on the toilet. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I'm just kidding. Um, Someone's calling me. I gotta go. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But actually, that's an example of where what you said before about envisioning the kind of person you want to be has been Mm. more my approach than having a clear plan, which is what you said about like just not liking the idea that, yeah, the phone or the Internet is my first and last. Mm. And so, yep, it's not necessarily that I set a specific time of when I'll look at my phone or not, but I definitely have been trying to avoid checking the phone being my first thing I go to when I wake. Mm-hmm. And maybe setting a more clear time boundary would be helpful for that actually, or a more like after I've been awake for this amount of time. One thing that um, mm-hmm. often can be hard about that living on the, so like at a t- different time zone is, you know, that like a lot of stuff in America was happening all, all night. Mm. So it's kind of like you're interested to check like, oh, did anybody text me? Did anything change? Is the news? You know? But um, that'll yeah. still, but then that like the flip sense. side of that. Yeah. So that can like make kind of an impulse to check it first thing because you wonder what you missed while you were sleeping. But mm-hmm. the flip side of that is most of my day, like nothing's happening in America. So I can always catch up later. Right. Hmm. Yeah, that's interesting, though. Did you have any other thing that you wanted to say on daily rhythms before we move on to weekly? We do. I mean, I'm, I'm mentioning to pray with the kids before bed. Mm-hmm. So that's a daily rhythm is to pray over them. And we always do with Malachi, like, what are you thankful for from today? Mm, that's good. Mm, that is good. But do I have a daily thing? I think I should. And that is one good thing about having kids, I think, is that you're so you have to focus on like, that instructional aspect of it it makes those things even that much more important i think right you begin to see more and more of the people you're affecting with those 
Yeah, you just you don't want to neglect mm. to instill those things that you say are mm. important to you. All right, so moving on to weekly, what I had put is that my weekly rhythm will include a corporate worship gathering, so church, an hour of prayer and fasting. Just go away, going my an goodness. hour of fasting. <laughs> 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 that's that's discipline right there. yeah yep, yep an hour of prayer and fasting oh, i mean that i mean that's not that's not meaning just a meal that's uh, that's talking snacks too oh man all right well i definitely don't <laughs> so have fasting that. for a full day each week fasting for a full day each week no fasting for an hour um, each week <laughs> okay so that's not very clear the way i've worded that i realize now um it's like a lunch a week Okay, okay. Where you don't eat lunch that right, day. I don't eat in lunch order in an order to have the hour of prayer. Okay. Yeah. And then the worship gathering usually takes place at Church of the Savior here in Kentucky, but also occasionally involves other church services or conferences, especially when we're out of town. So if we're out of town or traveling, this means that we're still going to be intentional to get in a church and have a, a gathering with other believers. Oh, and here we go. I gave the specific. I will fast lunch on Wednesdays and use that time for prayer, worship, Bible reading, and solitude. Mm. That's that's really good. I don't think I. So mine would be I do I have two like corporate phases. And since before I talked about Yejin being the worst one, I guess uh, now I can give her the credit that she does three to four like <laughs> corporate experiences per week, which is okay. we do church on Sundays. And then we have a youth mm-hmm. small group on Wednesdays. And then she has a ladies small group that meets uh, twice per week. So, yeah, that's one to work towards is getting a day per week of more extended time. I think that's a really good thing to do. It's worked out really well for me. I started doing that in college and it was actually easier in college because my schedule was so uh, solid that, yeah. you know, I had my class times, I had cafeteria time externally Um, generated right yeah exactly so if i was skipping going to the cafeteria once then i just had this chunk of time all of a sudden and i think that was really healthy for me in the way that i viewed fasting as well because it became less about just the challenge of not eating and much more about the practical aspect of actually creating time and focus on god um Mm mm-hmm and being like removed from other people, probably. Mm-hmm. I think both things are important. Um, like the fasting for the sake of having time to devote to God is important, mm-hmm. but then also the fasting for the sake like of the sacrifice, like depriving yourself, the sacrifice, mm-hmm. yeah, is also really important. Really important, but they're they're not. They don't have to always be the same. Sometimes you might be in a phase of life where it's like I just need the time, mm-hmm. and so I have to give up yeah. the actual time frame. But I, then I think everybody needs to be depriving the flesh certain times in their life as well. Mm-hmm. So um, <laughs> Malachi's joined me here. So if you guys hear extra <laughs> yeah. sounds, that's what's going on. He wants to hear some of this conversation. That's good. Live listener. So, I, I mean, fasting is one that I think that we just do terrible yeah, with exactly. in general in the church. Um, and it really needs to be something that we're focused on. Mm-hmm. Um, we did a fasting retreat for our youth last Saturday. And so we had like 25 students come up on a Saturday and spent, we had nine hours together at the church where we didn't eat and um, had times of prayer and worship and fellowship and games. Mm-hmm. And um, it was really good. And I was telling them, you know, I wonder what the, like the average Christian in America, like if you were to average the amount of fasting that happens. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's really interesting because I've met some Christians who really talk about that as a regular part of their life, or at least like when they're trying to make a big decision but I feel like most of the Christians I know, myself included, it's, well, okay, for myself, it's extremely rare, I would say. And then for most of the Christians I know, I feel like it's not even on the radar. <laughs> so that's, yeah. Um, mm-hmm. my, my ideal, my goal is to fast once a week, um, to have that as something I'm, that I'm doing I- eventually. Uh, the goal that I actually set for this year is to fast at least once a month. And you're talking a full day? A full day, yeah. 
fast fast a full day, which I usually do like sundown to sundown, mm-hmm. um, which is traditional uh, uh, traditional fasting. Oh, that's for not a lot so of... bad. Yeah, and... especially in the winter. <laughs> <laughs> sundown is the same though. <laughs> if you do sundown to sundown, it's going to be twenty four hours. Oh, sundown to sundown. Yeah, yeah, you're right. <laughs> hmm. That's interesting. It sounds so much easier that way. I don't know why. Well, because you're sleeping for a lot of it. Um, if you, you know, if you do like a wake to sleep fast, you're sleep, you're fasting more than 24 hours. Because normally, let's say, uh, you, right, you right. know, you go to bed. You're sleeping. Yeah. Because that's two sleeps worth of that's right. fasting. That's right. Uh-huh. Like thing, when I think about things that the church is really weak at, typically I, I think about fasting and Sabbath we're so into food and like joke about food and i mean the bible is also commands us to have feasts and to celebrate so there's a place for celebration of food and especially like i was thinking about it this saturday after our youth fasting day um how much celebration and thankfulness there was eating afterward several of the students went out to a restaurant and then me just olivia and i went out to a restaurant and i was like man this is awesome you know Mm. to be able to eat something so good and i'm so thankful for just how awesome food is yeah and so that's, that's really good helping. yeah it builds your thankfulness for for the meal but we go the opposite direction in our culture there's definitely like a i mean when when have you ever heard somebody talk about gluttony as an issue well have you guys heard of <laughs> have you guys heard of mukbang no i don't know if it's catching on in america or not but it's this korean thing which is basically like videos just of people eating food that people for whatever reason enjoy watching the koreans like it and these videos get tons of views and it's just like people who eat and talk about how good it is and show you all the food but like the video is watching someone watching them i'm trying eat. to picture this in my head my image is just Thor from the return of the king <laughs> yeah it's not quite <laughs> okay, like that good. you can look it up mukbang but it's just it's so crazy to me because in i think it's mere christianity Lewis basically uses that kind of idea as an example of of how um, the striptease, as he calls it, so basically like pornography and those kind of things, mm. are a sign of a natural appetite gone awry and like taking too much control. And mm. and his his metaphor for that is: imagine if there was a culture where you would pay to watch a curtain pull back and it's like a tray of food or like a hamburger just sitting there, but you don't, you don't eat it or don't touch it, but it's just like showing the food. We would think there's something wrong with them. Well, something's gone wrong with their appetite. Well, with the strip, the strip tease, there's something wrong with the sexual appetite, but it's just crazy. Cause now like this is real. Wow. There's people who are, and they're saying like that way I can feel like I've eaten and I don't have to actually eat. So it's like healthier for me or whatever. But I just don't get it. And I think it's gross. And I don't like hearing the sounds of their chomping and smacking and everything. But wow. um, in Korea, it's super popular. And often Korean stuff ends up spreading to other countries being popular. Mm-hmm. But I don't know how far that one has spread yet. But there is an American podcast I listen to where they've talked about it. They're not, they think it's dumb, but they are aware of the mm-hmm. concept. So, Wow, that is really weird. Um, but regarding the like thankfulness and increased pleasure of eating after a fast, I think that concept carries over to most of the good things in life. If you mm-hmm. overindulge, then mm-hmm. it loses. And if you yep. restrain yourself, then it enriches. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's good. I had one of the students that next Sunday, um, they had, eat, I don't remember what they had eaten, but they were like, you know, I ate a soup or like a pasta or something and i was like that was the best pasta i'd ever had in my entire life <laughs> mm. uh, yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs> when you've been fasting it like really makes you appreciate it mm. um so yeah yeah i think fasting need like is something we really need to emphasize it has so many benefits that we can't get into right now we could do mm. easily do an episode on fasting and how to fast and the benefits of fasting but yeah. um right now my like my minimum is fasting at least one day a month but I'm trying to do more. Yeah. Um, January, I did multiple because we were doing this 30 days of knowing God and we're like supposed to be fasting throughout it. So I was able to do several days. That's interesting to me that you're doing a day a month and mine is a meal a week. It's just interesting like how different those two are, but it's still like a rhythm. Uh-huh. And for me, it's a lot about that time that I'm mm-hmm. taking away 
from that pleasure and giving to God each week. So the other thing that's been really helpful from my weekly ones is making sure that I'm going to church each week, which Mm -hmm. I've always done that. But where that's affected us, I think, is when we're out of town. There have been a couple times in the last few months where we've been traveling and maybe typically we just wouldn't go anywhere or we would um, maybe watch church online. But we've actually, I've looked up online and found a church to just go to randomly, just drop in. And that's actually been super cool. Um, Mm -hmm. And for me, it's really emphasized like the community of the body of Christ um, because no matter what city you're in, like you can drop in and feel a part of a group of people and feel like you're on the same page. And then too, you get to see like how God is working around the country and like, oh man, look at all these people that are gathered. So we were in Arizona last week, but it's like, look at all these people that are gathered together, seeking God way over here in this other part of the country. Yeah. So it, it just built my faith and was encouraging to me to see that, you know, God is working all over the place and there are people that are really seeking him um, as well. Mm -hmm. And then you get to talk to people and say, hey, I'm from Kentucky and they're encouraged that you showed up at their church too. So I think it really goes a long way in just encouraging the body of Christ both ways. Definitely. I I think that's definitely a unfortunate consequence of church online Mm -hmm. is that people when they're out of town, uh, they just watch their own church because it's like, this is my people, which is good to be able to know what's happening in your own congregation. Yeah. So that's like definitely a benefit. But what you're speaking about is totally biblical and really beneficial for the church to be united across just like this is my own congregation mm-hmm. and getting out and seeing other churches. That's so important. So And usually really you don't have to watch like if the online church, you don't usually have to do it live. You can catch back up. Another thing just about worship mm-hmm. Weekly worship is so important to have as a a like commitment mm-hmm. in a family. Um, and a story I was thinking about, uh, I had a friend who's in my discipleship group who like last week um, on Sunday, there was like this huge tennis, tennis championship. Okay? And he's a big tennis guy. He played in college. And so like his favorite player was playing in the championship. And if he won, he was going to like break the all-time record. Mm-hmm. All right. So like he, huge game. And um, it's like going on late, later and later. And it's, uh, you know, becoming clear to him that they're going to miss church if he like watches this, you know. Mm. And so, you know, he's like, I need to, we probably need to like pause this so we can go to church. And um, he's like super into it, though. It's a really exciting match. It's close. And he's his, you know, his players up and everything. And so his wife's like, you know, we can like, it's okay. This just doesn't ever happen. You know, this is like a once in a, you know, blue moon kind of situation where we would like miss church. And, you know, this is something you followed your whole life basically. And so she's like, you know, we can watch online or we can watch it later or whatever. And he, you know, he's like, no, like, no, we don't need to set that as a precedent in our family. He's got, you know, his oldest son is like two, the wife's, you know, being very gracious, you know, he's not going to (laughs) remember he's two years old. He's not going to remember it. And he just says, no, like that's not something we need to do as a family where we make allowances Mm -hmm. You know, basically, even if he doesn't remember it, we're still communicating. This is something that's more valuable. And so they like he said, you know, we put it on pause and got here a little bit late to church. But we came to church and I was like, I didn't look at my phone. I turned my phone off to make sure I didn't get any spoilers to like who won. And um, we we came to church and then afterward went back home and finished the match. Mm. I was just really encouraged by that. Like somebody taking that level of commitment to be at their their church gathering and uh, that intentionality to like make that as a a rule for their family. Mm-hmm. Like this takes priority. I was pretty countercultural. So I have been on the other side of it too, though, where I was out of town with a group of people and all the rest were kind of like, ah, we're on vacation. We're not going to care about church. And I was just like, okay, I'll just like go myself. So I just looked up on Google maps, like the closest one that I could just walk to. And, uh, I'm glad I did it. And I was excited, you know, see a new church, see new people. But uh, it ended up being a pretty not healthy, you know, weird kind of watered down. How would you say like kind of new agey type elements involved in that church? So I would I would just recommend um, being sure that you can find like a good church. Yeah, maybe check the mission statement first. I'm still glad I went like just for the, I guess, like the rhythm or like the discipline of 
you know, even if I don't know anything about this area and I am on vacation, I'm still going to, and like n- none of my friends want to go, like I'm still just going to go. But yeah, I wish I had found a different church to go to. Yeah. <laughs> so my small group right now fits into monthly because we haven't been able to meet every week. Oh. Is it is it once a month? Twice a month? It's been twice a month, but one of the couples is like any day now having their second child. So again, those were the, the flexibility <laughs> has to come in sometimes. Mm. But yeah, small group to me is fit more into a twice a month thing. Another one Olivia and I have for a monthly is having another family or couple over to our house for dinner at least once a month. Mm. Well, that's great. Different people, I guess. Yeah. And so that's building that's in cool. that uh, discipline of hospitality and community, mm. obviously, in the church. But that's seems like something that people would like to be able to just be organic and even more often than once a month. But for us, it's like we actually need to make sure it's a discipline yeah. that we're like making ourselves do or else you can go several, several months or a year without actually hosting anybody. Mm. One that I'm trying to do quarterly that's totally new for me is um, a day of solitude. There's a whole chapter in this book about solitude, and that's a concept and spiritual discipline that I really knew nothing about, never had mm. thought about. Um, so basically, the idea is that I'll just pre-schedule, you know, put on my calendar a day that's completely unplugged, like, you know, phone off the whole day. Ideally, I'm going to go somewhere where I can spend time outside and just focus on being with God but with no agenda. I don't have a reading plan I'm trying to do. I don't have a prayer guide I'm trying to do. Um, I'm just being with him. And then that's pretty much it. So uh, he's your only companion for the day. It's like a personal retreat. Yeah, it's like a retreat. And part of the reason that this appealed to me is because a lot of the time that I've spent in intentional prayer in the past has been seeking direction on some major decision. Um, almost exclusively like when I've fasted or spent large chunks of time praying, it's because I have some decision, college, career, whatever that I'm like seeking God for. And so the idea with this is that, and and of course that's not wrong. Like that's a good thing to do. But the idea of this is just to be with him. Yeah. And that's it. So I've only gotten to do it once uh, so far, but it was. Where did you go? I went down to the Jesmond Creek Gorge, which is a little hiking trail near here. Um, it was difficult. I mean, as like, in some ways, it feels like a waste of time. Being alone all day. Yeah, not like getting work done and being productive. And it's just yeah. like, is this actually beneficial? Like, is God actually speaking to me? Is, um, so it, it was difficult but I'm going to try to keep doing it. Difficulty is beneficial with a lot of those things. The whole, I mean, we know that with fasting, right? Mm. That it's supposed to be difficult, but if that comes into others, that's doesn't mean it's like a negative. Mm-hmm. It's really hard to see the fruit of it. Yeah. You know, there's this whole idea in Christianity of like every morning and then in, in these kind of days of solitude, spend time with the fire, spend time with Jesus, and then you'll become more alive and like people, you know, come to watch you burn that kind of idea. Yeah. But I don't know how you, it's really hard to measure that or actually see that happening. Yeah. I don't know if that's just something you have to go do on faith. I mean, that's what I've kind of done or if there's like some sort of measurable component. Yeah. You can't always measure those things. I think um, even if, I, I mean, setting aside a day, the intentionality of it, there's not going to, it's not going to be useless, mm. you know, like you're choosing to spend a day with God and it's like, okay, I didn't actually hear anything. Like just the fact that you've made that set aside that time and committed to do that. There's that heart of wanting to be with God. There's the heart of wanting to disconnect. Mm-hmm. Like that's valuable even in itself. I like to tell people that with like Bible reading, it's like, okay, if you've read your Bible today and you don't feel like you've got anything out of it. Like you don't feel like God spoke to you. You don't feel like there's anything you read that you can really apply to your life. Like that doesn't mean it's useless. Like that's not the goal. The goal is to like be with God mm-hmm. and to let him ch- change you and to, and to let him be transforming the way you think. 
Like there's going to be a benefit just just to that. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I've never heard of that concept, really. I guess I had a friend who um, did like a, a minor retreat at a monastery where I think mm-hmm. they weren't allowed to talk or something like that. And that sounded, I mean, he, he was very positive about that experience. Um, so I guess that would be the closest thing I've heard. It's pretty much the same thing, I guess, but that's the closest thing I've heard of to that concept. But I like that idea. And because I've never really considered it before, I think in my case, rather than setting that as a quarterly goal, I might just want to try it once and see what it's like. Mm-hmm. And, that's good. Um, I'll mention one thing before we uh, finish up. Thinking just about the way that rules of life are kind of practically implemented in the church and in our own lives. Uh, for our youth group, we have discipleship groups that have certain commitments that they have to abide yeah. by. And so it's like our like student leadership discipleship track that we have in youth group. And then we do a summer internship where students are like setting aside their summer for God. And so for those, the students are making commitments to read their Bible every day, and they have to do at least five out of the seven days, spend time in prayer every day, um, a memory verse every week or else every other week, depending on kind of what group they're in. Mm -hmm. Um, There's like a weekly discipleship lesson. They have to be involved in a ministry team on Sunday mornings. So they're serving Mm -hmm. in the church. Um, They have to be attending youth group and, and Sunday church, taking notes at the services. And then they have to do like a monthly outreach or evangelism or service project that's outside the church. So there's these like rules that we put in place. Basically, hey, you're yeah. uh, you're abiding by these. You're committing to these while you're externally in this. structured rule of life. That's right. I think um, your guys' thing about having people over too is really one that students won't understand, but that is is really good for you know career phase. Christians to just have an intentionality mm. of being hospitable and maintaining stronger relationships than just greeting each other at church and or mm-hmm. jesting in the small group. That's something that modern society struggles mm-hmm. with anyway. So, and especially opening up the personal space of your home is really mm-hmm. that I, I feel like that makes stronger connections than just meeting somewhere. Yeah, it definitely does. Oh, and then one other that I remember it is for our summer uh, discipleship, we do have a media limit as well. Mm. So the students that are in our summer one, they have a max max of 10 hours a week uh, on media. Nice. So Of any kind. Of any kind, yeah. I think uh, healthy churches can help a lot too with the externally generated rhythmic options because a lot of times they'll have annual, biannual, mm-hmm. quarterly type worship times or events um revivals or conferences or those kinds of things that Mm -hmm. can help you sort of refocus on where you are and where you headed yeah Mm -hmm. at periodic intervals well i hope this has been encouraging to people listening i hope that this has given you some ideas of maybe things that you could build into your life and um, build into your rhythm to help you become the person you want to be. If your response to this is like, oh, I'm such a terrible Christian, like I'm doing nothing, like I'm a, I'm like a failure, like just know the enemy is going to be the one to discourage and God's going to be the one to like encourage. Mm-hmm. So anytime we have that like conviction or we see the lack in our own lives, like God's not going to be like, oh, you're a, you know, you're a bum. He's going to be like, hey, like I want, I want to help you do better. I want to help you grow, mm-hmm. and um, use it as an encouragement, not a discouragement. Yeah, and for years I was one of those Christians who, in theory, thought daily quiet time, daily time in the Word. That's what Christians do. That's what I'm gonna do, and wasn't actually doing it, and always was just like, ah, I know I should be, but uh, I just don't do it. So for a long time I was like that, and it, I totally understand people who are in that place but eventually i just kind of had this self-imposed impasse where i was like okay here i am like in in a job in in my 20s like when am i gonna actually be what i think in my head i will be or am Mm -hmm. and like am i actually like when am i actually gonna start living like this so that was when i I, I don't know, took myself to task that I can't keep thinking like, yeah, I got to do that. Like eventually I'm going to get there. It was sort of like, you know, this, okay, you're living your life and you're not doing it. So yeah, that's good. All of this stuff should be done out of 
just a desire for a love for Jesus. Not it's it's again it's not about the the legalistic rules. I think that's why people don't talk about this stuff is they're afraid of legalism. But it's definitely to be done out of love and not out of duty. Often recently I keep going back to the verse where Jesus said my yoke is easy and my burden is light. These things don't have to be spiritual growth doesn't have to be a difficult puzzle to understand exactly how to do it and how to have the right feelings and hear from God in the perfect way. It's just about showing up. Um, that's what I'm trying to learn in these, this whole idea of solitude is to just show up, make yourself available, and then see what God does. Yep, and even the attempt is not wasted. If you try to spend time in prayer and you're just like distracted the whole time, like you still attempted to spend time with God and that's not wasted. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and as I'm pretty sure we've mentioned before, but my experience is that very often you feel like, ah, I have to do this. I would rather clean the bathroom or whatever you just remembered you're supposed <laughs> to be doing, right? But then, like you should have been doing, it's, oh, I have these things I should be doing. It's hard. But then if you actually overcome that like hump then and actually start doing it, then it's rewarding. Yeah. But I think there's always going to be that like, temptation of the flesh or the world to try to make quiet time seem as unappealing as possible and you just have to like push past that entry barrier yeah yeah that's good um i see malachi has joined us again does he want to say anything to the audience what do you want to say malachi to everybody Waffles are ready. Ooh, the waffles. <laughs> All right, well, what? Mickey Mouse waffles. Mickey Mouse pancakes. Oh, wow. Mickey Mouse pancakes. Do you want to say bye to everybody listening, Malachi? Mm-hmm. Okay, tell everybody goodbye. Thanks for listening. Goodbye. Thanks for listening. Mm-hmm.